have been in a series. It's called RQ, or Relational Intelligence. We're, we're taking a little season here to look at how we do relationships. And we're learning about how to kind of raise our RQ, or relationship quotient, by scriptural principles, learning how to do things in a way that maybe isn't the way you grew up learning how to do things. It's breaking off the old and kind of moving into some healthier ways that cause the church to become healthier in the process. So Jesus, we know, valued relationships, didn't he? He did, he did leadership a very unusual way. He gathered these 12 people around him. We know he gathered crowds too, but he focused on these 12 and he built relationship. And he believed that they would, what was within them, even though they're a fisherman, a tax collector, you know, different things that didn't quite add up to being these amazing leaders of the church, he knew they were going to change the world. So he poured into them relationally. So this relationship series is important. And one of the most important scriptures shows what Jesus' perspective on RQ was. So we're going to read Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, because somebody had just asked him, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So relationship. As soon as you make a decision to reach out, as soon as you open your heart more to relationship, you find that, oh, people have issues. Relationship has challenges. Uh, okay, it's complicated. And... <laughs> We've already talked about some of the issues. We talked about fear and time and just relationships in general. So today we're going to kind of move into another area that actually is, it's a safeguard, it's a blessing, it's a way to do relationships without fear and without the issues we talked about with time. We're going to talk about healthy boundaries today. So when we set healthy boundaries, it gives us this freedom to enter into relationship because we're not going to be undone by doing everything. Or we're going to know that we're okay even if things kind of come in and kind of even come against us in relationship. So let's dive into this. If we're going to live with our neighbors in healthy relationships, it's going to require healthy boundaries. So you know, that one young man, he asked the Lord, well, who is my neighbor? And so then we get the story of the Good Samaritan. We're not going to focus on that too much, but, you know, that Jesus defining that, he let him know who his neighbor was. It's not who he wanted it to be. It was a Samaritan. It was somebody who was broken, beat up, required time, money, effort. That was his neighbor. Well, I want to suggest to you today that your neighbor is the one sitting next to you right now. It's the people that you live and work around. It's the person you have an interaction with at the store. And it's the person that you see in need. Our neighbors are everywhere. So... We need boundaries. Well, to define boundaries, let's start with a picture. I like pictures. I kind of tend to love art and creative things. So I want you to picture in your mind two houses. And there is a common pretty green lawn in between them. No fences. You know, I don't know if you've traveled much. In different states, you'll see this more commonly, that people don't have fences. And it looks beautiful from the outset. It's like, oh, that looks so open. That looks so pretty. And relationally, if that's the way it was, your house, your house, there's just this common lawn, it's fine unless somebody decides, well, now I have full access to your yard. And when they do that, it causes some issues, doesn't it? Well, a good fence 
or a boundary can help define a relationship. It reminds each neighbor, this is where my place ends, this is where your place begins. Good fences, protect, they protect our duties and our freedoms. And those limits, they actually help keep the peace. All of us have seen houses, talking about another kind of fence, that one in the neighborhood, it's almost kind of creepy. It's like the fence is so high, it's brick, there's foliage, you can't see through. There's probably a big beware of dog sign on the outside. This kind of fence is not the good fence we're talking about. This is here to keep everybody out. But I want you to picture the kind of fence the Lord would have us have between our houses. <laughs> Picture a chain-link fence. It's about that high, and it's got a gate that swings both ways. You can see through it, and the gate means that you can invite anyone in, or you can say, not right now. People can look in and see who you are. You're open, and yet there's a definition that says, this is who I am, and this is, this is where I live. <laughs> And I'm going to maybe invite you in, <laughs> but you need to kind of respect my boundaries. All right. We've all seen that old show, Home Improvement. Remember Wilson? Wilson. You know. And this is another example of a type of fence. So Wilson would always talk to Tim the Toolman Taylor over the fence and, you know, we wouldn't see his whole face. And this kind of represents a fence where, well, there's some protection there. We're kind of, we're willing to talk over, but we're protecting ourselves. And a lot of times, that guarded situation is what we do because we don't feel safe. This fence reminds us the way we often try to have relationship while protecting ourselves. So sometimes boundaries do need to be strong. And I think when people hear the word boundaries, often they, th they think, we need boundaries and uh, put the biggest wall you can. And then there's no thought, I'm going to take that down. But the Lord has a different process in mind. He wants to heal each one of us to such a degree that we realize <laughs> he's the best boundary we can have. And the Holy Spirit's leadership and the Holy Spirit's healing is going to help us to have that open kind of offense and know how to manage that gate without protecting ourselves this much or this much. And there's freedom in it, beautiful freedom. Another picture, another example of boundaries would be marked lanes on a highway. Maybe somebody has said to you, hey, stay in your lane, you know, or at least on the road, we know that somebody starts coming into your lane, wait a minute, this is my lane, <laughs> we get that feeling, you know. Well, Steve and I have been to India a couple of times, and when you go to India and you step out of the airport onto the city streets, it's shocking. It's literally shocking. First of all, the vast amount of people, but... The thing that surprised us so much was the streets of the cities. There are no lanes. There are some lights, but there are no lanes. And so the cars look like they do this. They, they weave through intersections. And, you know, if you weren't scared, it could almost be beautiful because it looks kind of, you know, creative or something. But the people who are used to it, I would ask them, aren't you, how do you keep from having accidents? And they say, we do have accidents, but we also kind of get the rhythm of it. But just coming into it, we're like, no, we don't, we don't get the rhythm of it. We couldn't get used to it. That's the one place Steve just said, I'm glad I'm not driving. <laughs> so I think we've all experienced, maybe in your own family or other families you know, or people you've tried to enter into relationships their household kind of functions like those Indian highways. <laughs> it's like they've grown up seeing, well, people can call at all hours of the night. They can come in, raid the refrigerator. They can come in and say, I got to have a place to stay. And they can, you know, all these things that just are like expectations that 
anything goes. And if that's what you're used to, or that's what you've grown up in, then when you try to say no, somebody quickly says, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you can't say no. You know, in various ways it happens, but it's like, like, you know, you put a boundary, it's sort of like you draw a line in the sand, and so, wait a minute, to the person who has no boundaries at all, it's like, that means war, <laughs> you know? It's like, immediately they want to attack you for the fact that you've put a boundary up. So, in America, we do have these designated lanes on our road, and what that does is it helps everybody go forward without being wounded. Those lanes do that. You know, they allow us to move, and we don't come up to a stoplight and people are all running into each other. There's safety, there's freedom, and relationships will go forward, too, in that same fashion if we're able to ride in our lane and go with the gas of the Holy Spirit. Well, have you ever heard this classic boundaries joke? My neighbor says that I have a problem with knowing my boundaries. At least that's what her diary says. Wait for it, wait for it. Well, let's get right into the word because the scripture champions boundaries. So Proverbs twenty two twenty eight says, the previous generation has set boundaries in place. Don't you dare move them just to benefit yourself. People without boundaries like it that way because it benefits their self. But what it, all, what it mostly benefits is not really who they are, it's their flesh. It's that part that needs to be molded by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 10.13 says, We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. So God has put you in particular places with particular people. You've grown up in your family of origin, and that family had done some things right or a lot of things wrong, or, you know, we all have these different experiences, don't we? But these things do not define where we go from here. Our submission to the Holy Spirit and learning these healthy principles is going to help us go into places we never thought we could go. And we're not going to go, you know, just kind of with this ball and chain hanging on our foot and making us miserable in everything that we do. God wants freedom, and that's why boundaries are important. So let's talk about why they're important. It's sort of like a have you ever had a job that had no job description? And then if something goes wrong, somebody says, well, that was your job. And you go, I didn't know that was my job. And so the thing that a lot of companies do, they come up with job descriptions. We've been doing that even here in this church because nothing has been defined. And then there are holes and things fall through the cracks. So it's just, it's a good kind of boundary because it defines me and my responsibilities. An important component of healthy relationships is knowing what is and what isn't our job. They define what is you and then what is not you. A boundary shows you where you end and then somebody else begins. And it leads us to a sense of ownership too. It reminds us, oh, I guess I do have to water my own lawn. You know, if there's a fence, well, people probably aren't going to do that for you. So it helps you take on that responsibility. Healthy boundaries help us distinguish what is our responsibility, what isn't. So sorting out what we're responsible for and what we are not is so vital to our emotional health. When we're used to unhealthy boundaries, we're probably also struggling emotionally because we have pain there from what has happened to us with people trampling all over our lawn, right? And then we learn that behavior and we've probably done the same thing to other people. So that kind of stuff can make us feel crazy sometimes, can make life feel crazy. So if we want to be sane, boundaries will help that happen. They'll help protect us. 
Let me read this quote that defines healthy boundaries. I'm responsible for me and my choices, not you and your choices. You're responsible for you and your choices. I'm not responsible for you and your choices. Did that make sense or should I read it again? <laughs> I'm responsible for me and my choices, not you and your choices, but you are responsible for you and your choices. I'm not responsible for you and your choices. So we're all owning our own stuff, basically. <laughs> we're taking ownership. We're taking responsibility. And that just breeds success and health. Boundaries strengthen and protect our relationships. So those clear boundary lines, like those lanes on the highway, they actually help us care for other people. Sometimes boundaries are like, you're scary, up goes a boundary. <laughs> you know, you hurt me, up goes a boundary. But when we understand that it's part of relational life, and that if we develop healthy boundaries and ask the Lord to forgive us for those areas where we haven't and even learn more about how to be emotionally healthy and just soak in the Word of God, we're going to have this foundation that we can operate from. And it's not full of cracks, but it's something that is firm enough that it holds us up and we can say, no, I can't do that for you, but I would be happy to do this. This is what I'm able to do. And realize it's not selfish to set that boundary. Some of us, myself included, have gotten physically sick over stress. And in my case, a big part of that stress was a lack of boundaries, such a need to to other people growing up as a pastor's kid, becoming a pastor, always helping other people. And church people are kind of famous for not having boundaries. And we're going to get some of the scriptures that kind of trip people up. <laughs> uh, but because of that, you know, we'll say, you aren't going to help me? That person's not very pastoral. That person, you know, and the accusations, who's the accuser again? Who's the accuser again? Somebody say it. Did you say it? Say it louder. The devil, the accuser, right? But for some reason, it can come right in as soon as we don't actually get our way or feel safe. I'm making a lot of noise with that, huh? All right. Well, back to the fence analogy. <laughs> I don't get to cross that fence and start mowing my neighbor's lawn because I don't like the way it looks. I mean, just picture that. It's like you're looking at that eyesore every day. You've taken care of your lawn, and there's that overgrown yard, and you can start thinking it reflects on you and everything else, and you just want to mow that lawn. But you know what? You don't get to do that and have healthy boundaries. You have to lay that down. But if you find out the reason that lawn is like that, is because that neighbor has a broken leg, and you can offer, once you've laid it down, you can offer to help them, then they have the right to have any kind of boundary and say, yes, I would like that help, or no, I really don't want you in my yard. I don't know what they might say, but you can offer that way. So if they say yes, and you start mowing their lawn, and they get better, then you're going to have to release that. <laughs> and give it back, and not keep mowing your neighbor's lawn forever, right? So there's a progression in all these things. If you've ever had someone offer to help you, but you really feel like, yeah, they're trying to fix me. This is, <laughs> I'm bugging them the way I am. It's not that they just want me to do better. So if that happens, and so they just want to help you with this and help you with that, a boundary coming from you might sound like, thank you, but I'll take that on myself when I feel like it's right or timely for me. So, you know, we can say things in a kind and generous but somewhat firm way, and it may not be received well, but you can feel okay because you're on that firm foundation and you know, no, this is... 
This is good for both of us. It really is. So we're still talking about boundaries, why they're important. Jesus set boundaries for himself. So let's go right to the best example of everything. I mean, in his humanity, he had personal and physical and emotional needs. He had people pulling on him in every direction, you know. And so his example is a little different in that he had three and a half years to accomplish a lot. But even more so, should we look at that example? Because even if he had to go away into the wilderness at night to be with the Father and find that replenishment, he'd do it. And he often did it. He often did it. He knew how to get away with the Father and rest. Well, healthy boundaries, they keep us from ruining our relationships by trespassing. We... We all, you know, once you memorize a prayer, it's almost like you stop listening to it, right? It becomes more religious sometimes. But Matthew 16, 12 says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. What's trespassing? There's the line. You crossed it, buddy. You're in somebody else's yard. And honestly, we all do it. Jesus thought it was important to put this in the most important prayer because it is what we have learned our whole life to do. We all live in the same world, and the devil is trying to push the same agendas, and so we've all learned this stuff, but the Bible, it flip-flops it, and when we see the other side, we go, oh, that is so healthy. That's what the Lord wants us to see. So you might have these clear property lines in your literal yard, but what about your heart? Maybe it's not so clear in your heart. When your boundary lines are blurred, it causes havoc in your soul and trouble in your relationships. And if, here's a touchy part, so just relax, but maybe listen. <laughs> you know, we, if you've tried relationships throughout your life and feel like they always go wrong, there's always a problem. I would say we need to look at ourselves. If there's always a problem, the common denominator is that you're always in the relationship, right? So we, we have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit shine his light on what are those needs that we have that are coming across so strong, we just got to reach into other people and try to get it. Relationships are supposed to look like Here's a circle, and it's a person. And here's a circle, and it's a person. But sometimes when we try to get our needs met from other people, those circles kind of join and overlap. There's no defined boundaries, and that kind of relationship becomes enmeshed. You might have heard, oh, they're codependent. That means they're, they're so dependent on each other that they can't really, they're not defined individually any, anymore. Now, are we supposed to be dependent? Oh, yes. We're supposed to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. We're not independent. We're dependent, but not on other people to meet our needs and satisfy our soul and help us at every drop of a hat. God is our source. And, you know, just kind of getting that picture will help us do that. And if that, you know... If that kind of rings a bell with you a little bit and maybe even hurts a little bit, I would just encourage you, it's not too late to have healthy relationships. You can turn it right now. More likely, it's going to be a process of learning a new way, but to go a new direction, you do have to turn first. So that turn is your choice to live in a healthier manner. All right, how do I set healthy relationship boundaries, because this is pretty crucial. I mean, we understand the need for them, the power that they have, the sanity they can bring, but if we set them the wrong way, then we're going to have issues, and it's going to affect us and other people. So number one here is know your personal limitations, because boundaries define the terms of what's allowable and what's not in any relationship. You know, we all want to be good disciples of Jesus. And, you know, when you 
read, like in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And all the people were used to following the law and all the rules, and Jesus kind of bypasses the rules and says, no, this is how it really is. This is how we need to live. You know, if somebody wants your coat, we'll give them your cloak too. Sounds extreme, right? It sounds like, oh, it's all about me just giving everything away. I don't know if I want to become a Christian. I have people in my life that I'm praying for that say things like that. There's too much to give up. This is too hard. They have an idea like that. But without understanding healthy boundaries, we might risk pushing ourselves beyond our limitations, like thinking we need to be everything for everyone or never saying no. Because, well, Jesus didn't, did he? I mean, sometimes we've just read things a certain way for so long. You know, one year I just, I bought an NLT, a version or translation of the Bible, and I, I saw things I hadn't seen before. And I thought, this is so good. I'm going to buy a passion translation when that comes out and read it. And it kind of, oh, you get so used to the language that you don't hear the words. Remember Pastor Steve saying it's so important what you hear. So the Lord wants to help us do that. Jesus lived in God's rhythm of grace because he set healthy boundaries. So we talked about this. Without them, we risk burnout. But bitterness is like the even deeper thing. A person with healthy boundaries can say no to others when they need to. And because they do that, they also have this freedom to open up and let people in. We're going to talk about that a little more because the juncture we are at as a church, this place right here, we move into this new year. God wants him to do some new things. And I believe he even wants to bring more health and healing this month. You know, it's sort of like in December. Sometimes you give that last offering an extra offering for tax purposes. Like, get it all in before the end of the year, before January 1st. But, and even if you do it just for that reason, God still blesses you because you're giving. You know, there's a principle. But... There's something about ending a race well. And I think the Lord is wanting this, our church, to do that. All right, so we can open up to others when we really let go of bitterness. That's like managing that gate we're talking about. Knowing, you know, don't put a big lock on it. Just be the manager of it and learn how to do that. Number two, know what God requires of you. When it comes to giving, one thing he requires is to give or serve cheerfully. Jesus wants you to love and serve your neighbor with a cheerful heart because he knows if you do it out of pressure or you do it reluctantly, it becomes like, it becomes a duty. It, it, it's an obligation. It has those religious tones, right? We're doing it, but we're mad about it. So, but bless God, I'm going to do it, you know. And then, but this thing takes hold because it was against our will. If we're not careful, bitterness can come in and just take hold. The Bible describes bitterness like a bitter root. In other words, it goes down. It takes hold. And if that's the root, what kind of plant is that going to grow? Not, not what we want. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And you can say, well, that's all about money, isn't it? But it applies. It applies because we give more than our offerings. Even worship is giving the Lord the praise that he deserves. You know, so much of our Christian life is about giving. And God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Well, God can't love me any more than he already does. No, that's true. But <laughs> if you want to know what he loves, what blesses him, 
it's this. It's sort of like Christmas time, you give gifts. Are you going to pick the gift for that person that you really like? <laughs> or are you going to give the one that they would really like receiving? Well, this is showing me what God loves as a gift, is watching us give cheerfully. God wants our love to be genuine, not fake or forced. And love isn't merely an obligation to fill God's word. When we really feel it, we can do it with cheerfulness. It's not selfish to say no to a request that's beyond your ability to give. Because if you do, that's what causes that situation of the bitterness to come in. Serve responsibly. Remember, we were talking about where boundary lines, where those lines start and stop, knowing where you end and somebody else begins. You're not responsible for everything, but here's what we are responsible for. You are responsible to others and for yourself. You are responsible to others and for yourself. Let's go a little deeper into that. Galatians 6, 2 Carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Here's that scripture that I've heard everybody use. Well, aren't we supposed to bear each other's burdens? Aren't we supposed to carry each other's burdens? Let's really define what was meant by this. The Greek word for burden means excessive weight. Like picture a boulder, something that is too heavy for one person to carry. That's what we're talking about when we say burden. Sin, pain from loss, trauma in a person's life often become too much for them to bear alone. And we need to step in and help them carry the weight of that and be free because they need some help. And then denying ourselves to serve and care for our neighbors bolder, that's showing the love of Christ. And Jesus did that all the time. He healed people when he was tired. He healed people when he was hungry. He did it for others. We're called to do that. No one should be expected to carry a boulder alone, and a lot of people are these days because we're afraid to help with that because we feel like then we're going to have to do it forever or, you know, and that shows that we don't know how to enforce our own boundary in love where we could show what we expect. So let's get into that other word, on the other hand, Galatians 6, 5 says, each one should carry his own load. So it might seem like it's contradictory, but the word burden means something that's an excessive weight. Load is more like cargo. Picture carrying your own backpack. It's something that may be a little heavy, but you can carry it. You can manage it. And that's what we need to carry ourselves. When we carry our own load or responsibilities, we don't become overloaded or worn out or eventually resentful. We're able to give with a cheerful heart. So when you give, it's like I was talking about the lawn, mowing somebody else's lawn. At a certain point, boundaries change. You might set a boundary because there's an unhealthy situation. And in some extreme situations, you might have to completely separate yourself. And in a super abusive situation, that might be forever. But there are some situations where health comes into you. You're able to set boundaries in a more healthy way. And you can test the waters and allow, you know, like opening the gate. We'll come in for coffee not coming in to spend the night. You're coming in for coffee, you know. And, and then, you know, there's a time to go home. So we need to learn how to do that. Number three is leave the results to God. People who have the gift of giving, one of the, you know, when I, I've done spiritual gift studies, you know, we have as a church together too. We didn't go into what some of the downfalls there are of each gift. When I say downfall, I mean there's a plus and there's a minus. If you, you know, have the gift of giving, you're going to look for ways to make money just so you can give. There's so many good things about it. You're going to be a generous person, and you're also going to carefully consider and pray about where you give. But the, 
the downside of that gift, stepping over the line, even crossing a boundary, you could say, is if you would follow that gift you just gave and try to tell them how to use it and then monitor how they're going to use it. I mean, the gift is there, the giving was there, but you didn't leave the results to God. So that's, this is such an important part of this whole process. We're not, we are not accountable for the results of our giving. We're responsible to reach out and love, give our time and resources with a cheerful heart. After that, the results are God's department. We can keep praying. Prayer is a powerful weapon. It's a powerful force. It helps other people get healthy. It helps the church go forward. And we always not only have the right to do that, it's a calling on our lives. We're all called to intercede. Remember that healthy boundaries say this is where I begin and end. So we're going to be happier and healthier if we learn to do our part and then we release things into God's hands. You know... We've all heard, let it go, let it go. You know, we sing the song, we watch Frozen over and over. If you have kids, I don't, I don't know about your grandparents, but, you know, if somebody just says to me, because I've just told them, I've just bared my soul, said something that's really upsetting me, and they just say, well, just let it go. You know, people do all that. All Sometimes they just don't want to hear. But, you know, the the problem with just letting it go, it's... It's sort of like you've got this really painful thing and it's dominated your life and you could just go like that and walk away and be free. We're not really built that way or geared that way. But if you take that same thing and you put it in Jesus' hands and then you let go, isn't that powerful? I mean, that, that gives you, you know... I am letting it go, but I'm not leaving it undone. I'm putting it in the hands of the one who can really take it to the next level or heal it or whatever that might be. So just begin to picture yourself doing that. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, maybe it's just me, but I think it's more. Sorry. I feel like it, it helps to say, Lord, I give it into your hands. Lord, I let go. I hear it out of my own mouth. I make a declaration like that. There's power in that. You know, it's like the difference of saying, Lord, help me forgive, da-da-da-da, or Lord, I forgive so-and-so. One is powerful, right? One is powerless, and the Lord wants us to be empowered. In Luke 10, we see the parable of the Good Samaritan. He's an excellent example of a loving neighbor with good boundaries. He is? I thought he gave everything and he, you know, but think about it. He took care of the man. He bandaged him. He, he gave him to the innkeeper. He left some money, but he went on his trip. The guy was on a journey. He didn't drop everything, but he went the extra mile and he still kept the boundary in place. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plant, but it was God who made the plant grow. (laughs) I don't know. As human beings, we love to take the credit, and we find these ways to do it where it, it just sounds like we're not doing that, but nobody's fooled by it, you know? We all see that somebody, by telling that story, they're, they're just kind of, you know, and <laughs> You know, God can laugh at the same thing. I mean, if it was your little child saying, look what I did, Mommy, you wouldn't go, don't be a braggart. You know, we, we know that's what little kids do. And in some ways, we're God's little kids. And we still do some of those same things. We want the credit. But God wants us to know our identity, how we feel about ourselves, who we are. It's all in Christ. It's one of the most important things we can learn. And it's also a lesson we have to constantly reinforce because the enemy wants to come in with those voices and say, no, you're not that, you're this. So that's when we have to appropriate the word and believe we're who he says we are, and then we don't need all the credit. We can release those results to God. When we love God and our neighbors, we're living the way Jesus intends, and our good neighboring seeds will reap a harvest. Just wait and see.
I wanted to just talk for a couple minutes here at the end. I want to read a portion of scripture to you out of Galatians, out of the message. We believe, Steve and I, that this church has such an amazing destiny. One of the reasons we're willing to stop what we are doing and come here, at first it started with loving Pastor Sam and Kim. They're basically the main relationship that we had. But when we came as interim pastors, they weren't here, so we got to know all of you. And we got to know you in your pain and in your power. We saw that you have been faithful and withstood things that are so difficult. Some of you in this church have gone through four splits, four church splits, while being a part of this group of people. Some of you haven't, and just say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but a lot of people, their salvation doesn't make it through one of those. But you guys have become strong in the Spirit. And, you know, you've done various assignments, and you, you know, you, you keep this thing running <laughs> like a well-oiled machine, you know. And then we come in, and we're like, nope, it's going to be all about relationship. And so we've kind of turned the apple cart over a little bit and found that, what do you know? You guys like that, too. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that you, you're willing to change some things in order to see the greater good or God's ultimate purpose happen for this church. And as we round out the end of this year, and we go into a new year, I want to recite to you something Pastor David, our lead pastor over Gateway, was sharing with the campus pastors on our phone call on Tuesday, and he was saying that, you know, he started thinking about Jesus in the grave, and he rose on the third day. Well, he started feeling like, boy, in 2020, we were hit. Our whole society, but churches were majorly hit. And we thought, okay, well, when that this year's done, it's going to be fine, you know. And then 2021 comes along, it's not fine yet. And now every time we turn around, there's a new variant or something else. People are still wanting to close us down and stop, stop what the kingdom is meant to do. But he really felt prophetically in his spirit that 2022 was going to be like that third day experience of resurrection. I'm sure the enemy thought he had Jesus once he was in the grave. And we look around and we can grieve. Oh, our America, what's happened? Oh, you know, the churches, what's happening? Oh, our society, what's happening? God is going to shine through you and through me. His kingdom is going to advance, and it's going to take those violent or people who just say, I'm going to fight to advance it, but there's no end to his kingdom. We already decided there's no end to this campus, so we're, we're going forward, right? As this year ends, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, am I hanging on to any old religious stuff? Am I, are any of my ideas, do they need to go? Do, are there areas I need to surrender? I want to be this clean vessel ready to go. <laughs> have I had fear or have I been unwilling to give my time or am I, you know, just inept at boundaries? You know, am I, you know, is there, can I go forward and let me assure you, that's why we're talking about this, because we believe that we can and that we will. All it takes is willingness. All it takes is an open heart. So as we go into this next season of 2022, some of you, some of you are going to start talking to people, and you're going to almost be 
this isn't some weird spiritual thing, but almost like you're standing on the outside of yourself going, who is that person? That person who is so afraid to talk to people is now talking to people. Or you might be like Josh, who's at work, and somebody says to him, what's purgatory? Josh isn't a Catholic. He doesn't know a bunch of stuff about purgatory. But how can he deny that God isn't in this conversation that eventually turns to him and he gets to share thoughts? He doesn't even know everything he thinks at that moment. But boy, he's studying now. You know, it's like you learn. (laughs) He's nodding. I mean, we're not going to do this perfectly. God's not waiting till we're perfect. And I know, even if you haven't thought about it, People don't invite people to church if they think their church has fallen apart. And it would be really weird to invite people to a church when you think, well, the leadership team is kind of halfway formed. And what? what's going to happen now? But you guys have shown you're willing to do that. Pastor David said, you stayed. That means you want to go forward with this. So we love that. It's sort of like someone who says, now I can work with that. (laughs) I feel like that's what the Lord is saying. And that's what we've said as leaders. And all of you that are just jumping into Team Gateway saying the same thing. Let me read this Galatians 5 passage as just kind of a cap off about, about relationship, about freedom going forward. Why don't you just close yourself in with the Lord? If it helps you to close your eyes, do that. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I'm empathetic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects. You're cut off from Christ and you fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then he exhorts them, please don't toss this off as insignificant. It only takes a minute amount of yeast to permeate an entire loaf of bread. It's absolutely clear God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do, thereby destroying your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't even feel the compulsions of selfishness. (laughs) For there's a root of self-interest in us that's at odds with the free spirit. But just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, And those two ways of life are contrary with each other. Lord, we ask you to drive us toward freedom. Compel our hearts with your heart. Let's all stand. Lord, would you cause your heart, your heartbeat, to be beating inside of our hearts. That there's too much to be done to stay stuck in old ways. You want us to move forward in your grace, in your leadership, in a healthy way. You want to show us how to live a redeemed life fully, fully, fully redeemed, fully bought by your blood, surrendered to your will, focused on your kingdom. And we believe that the rewards will come, that there are rewards for doing, for laying our life down. 
Lord, I just believe that you want to reward this church, these individuals, for the way they have laid their lives down. Sometimes it's been so painful. So breath of God, would you just blow across this people with your healing wind, the breath of your spirit, and just blow out those things that need to go so that true joy can come. And Lord, just kind of infuse into us those things that are of your spirit, where we can go, oh, that does feel better. I, I can do these things as I submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And he's equipping me. He is equipping you. Earlier, Renee, I saw a vision of you. And it was like, <laughs> it was during the Egypt song. So I'm seeing the walls of water. And you're walking through this path, and those, wa those walls of water are so high, and you can hear the sounds like they're trying to come in, and you can hear the enemy saying, you're not going to make it across. And I just see the Lord take his hands and just cup over your ears, and it's like a set of <laughs> earbuds or, you know, earphones, and He's going to start speaking directly to you. And you're just going to keep moving your feet. And you're going to make it all the way across. Now, some of the rest of you could take that same word and apply it. That's what we do with prophecy. Everybody doesn't get the same word, but we can all grab hold of it. We can grab it for ourselves. For some reason, God wants her to hear that today. But he gives it to me, so we'll all hear it today. So go ahead and grab a hold of that. I know, I know, COVID, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to, I'm not belittling it, but if you feel free to, if you don't, just put your hands like this. But let's move a little closer, and if you feel free to, just hold hands with the person next to you. If you're not next to anybody, look at you brave people. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Lord, we know you love unity, and we do this as a prophetic act. We join with each other hand to hand and heart to heart, and we say that we are going to help each other through this season, and we're going to be a blessing to each other through this season and beyond, and you're going to lead the way, and we're going to follow, and we're going to love this new adventure we're on together. So together we go forward. And we thank you for bringing us together. Oh, how we love each other. And it makes us love you all the more. In Jesus' name.